familiar uh, if you haven't noticed already I'm kind of a Buffalo area guy so I grew up with the Rochester the New York the New Jersey all that scene or whatever so going to shows all the time over in Buffalo yada yada Tonawanda Cheektawaga and these were one of the bands Eternal Torment from Buffalo Good old demo. Uh, Carl Pace, he's still hanging out doing a band called Sons of Ghidorah, the guitar player. So that's rad. And Danny is actually doing STEM. If you remember that band from the 90s, STEM, S-T-E-M. That was this, yeah. Bam. Um, but yeah. Wicked old school, just death metal. Buffalo death metal. Buffalo, Buffalo and New York and like Niagara Falls and all that had a definitely had a had a sound. 
unlike. It had, you could tell it was the New York, but they still had another twist on it too. Yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of groove back in the day, which was unbelievable. Uh, lots of good breakdowns. And that's where I kind of think Slam started from. Uh, just Buffalo, Niagara Falls, New York, right? Internal bleeding, uh, even fetus, right? Throw those in there. But grotesque infection is one. Uh, see over here. Even buried beneath from Rochester, they had like great, like perfectly timed. Hi, Phil. I will. I will say hi. Definitely. So yeah, Buried Beneath was another one, and Grotesque, and just the scene, uh, Disgorged from Rochester, that's another one. Just had a groove, man. Just had a groove. So, it's kind of cool, speaking of Buffalo. Where I got a lot of my influence from Buffalo. I mean, that was just, that's what I wanted to see, it's what I love to see. It's great. So, we had our friend Lori, which I'm gonna sit down and talk with soon, because uh, she's living in Toronto, but she grew up in the Buff, the Buffalo. Hey, Craig, CDN Records, CDN Records. So, she had a zine, Eruptions From Below, and then she also just taped shows also. So, Eruptions From Below, Great scene. Just they're all her pictures too, man. It was great. Like she was there. Obscurity here's another Buffalo band. We're gonna talk about those guys in the future. See, it's got it all. Look at that. I eh? see. We're just, we're talking to Lee last night. Alright, there he is in there. The old Lee Harrison. There's George. Mr. George. Mr. George Colts Grinder. So she had a zine, and she had a bunch of issues and stuff, and I mean, they were just, because everybody hung out, right? That was the thing. Everybody just chilled and, just, just chilled and hung out, man. It, that was what you did, because you wanted to go to shows. And, so, you know, Pungent, Impetigo, Disgorge, like I was just talking about, from Rochester, not to uh, California's Disgorge. This is Disgorge. So anyways, killer. Grotesque Infection, see? They're close to my heart. I will mention Grotesque Infection a lot. There's Obscurity, there's the ad for the for the demo. That was coming out. And it's an unbelievable demo. It's over there somewhere. Thanks to uh, Dan, our original, uh, the original bass player in my old death metal band. He had some, he had some shit, so he kept on some shit too, so that's cool. But anyways, I just like looking through those things, they're fun. So she had a video series where she just recorded some bands and stuff, right? Because, I mean, you bring a, you bring a you know, VHS camp or shoot away. So she ended up getting... Oh, yeah, it's all backwards. So Inner Sanctum, Obscurity, Ritual Torment, Infestation, Grotesque Infection, Demonacy, Human Remains, Pungent Stench, Incantation, Brutal Truth, Carnal Dissection. So there's gonna be some treats in uh, in the documentary, I can guarantee you. 
and it's gonna be some tasty treats. So like I said, man, that's where I grew up, so that's where we just hung out, right? Um, wanna give another shout out. Good old Pennsylvania death metal percussor. Good old Jack Carmichael is the man. Seriously, like, you want, this doesn't sound like anything. That's what I keep trying to tell people. It has a, it has an old school vibe, but a vibe that nobody's touching. It's, it's unbelievable, literally, man. I've got, I think I pretty much have all the releases. And thanks to Jack, because Jack's the man, and he loves to support the scene and the underground, because that's what we do. We help each other out, promote what's up. Percussor, P-E-R, P-E-R, C-U-S-S-O-R. So, Pennsylvania band, man, honestly, you gotta check these guys out. Percussor, Percussor, Percussor. Look at my nipples. Percussor, Percussor. Just throwing that out there, man. Good dudes. And uh, they're playing around, man. They're in, and you know, always releasing shit, which is the good thing. Like, and every album is not boring. Remnants of Horror album that came out, I believe, was on Lost Disciple. Unfortunately, the drums weren't too listenable on that. They ended up re-recording it over at Mike Lucifer's studio uh, from Primeval. Oh shit! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your studio. I forget. Um, but he ended up redoing the drums and everything, and now it's the perfect percussor album. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and check these guys out. All right, I gotta call. I gotta call somebody too. Gotten a septic shirt on. Where are we here? Clean one in the closet. There you go. <laughs> That's a great demo, though. Uh, it really is. Have you heard the, they have a whole record. I forget the name of it. Yeah, it just came out too, right? Uh, yeah, like last couple months. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. Yeah, totally. Do I need to change anything? I don't know. No, we're live. I think everybody else thinks you go. You look good. We can uh, we can stare at your crotch. It's a perfect angle. Cross your legs. Mr. Uh, Mr. Matt Harvey here. I'm talking on here. You're on the TV, and we're live streaming over there or whatever. So, seems to be working out. We're still working. I'll be that. How you doing tonight? I'm all right. I'm doing good. I'm just uh, 
sitting here in our studio here in San Luis Obispo, California, um, just actually still sort of working uh, intermittent hours. So I got done with work, came over here, been just kind of goofing around a little bit, and uh, yeah, now chat with you. Right on. Thank you for thanks you. Thank you for tuning in. Again, are you guys all uh, on lockdown quarantine status up there? Or? Oh jeez. <laughs> that it's going over. Um, not it. We are, but we aren't yet. But we are. Okay. Yeah. So. I mean, we can go to the store, no problem, and a bunch of restaurants are doing like takeout and delivery only. Yeah, it's pretty far and few between with that now too. Yeah, we've gotten to the point where it's the essentials, right? Like the essentials, which is beer, weed, and dollar store. Right. Yeah, we, you can still buy weed here because it's a uh, it's a pharmacy. So totally. So right, and gas is down like crazy. We're down. We're usually we usually hover at around a dollar five to thirty cents a liter. Yeah, for a liter. Um, so now we're literally down to sixty-seven cents a liter. That sounds very cheap. I don't, I don't have a good grasp of volume measurements, but yeah. The city's like a fucking ghost town and gas is cheap and uh, yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but hey, we're still here talking about death metal ostensibly, so it's good. Right? We're, st we're still connecting somehow. They can't keep us apart. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you're a big punk rock guy, eh? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I guess for, like, a metal guy, I probably am. But I wouldn't, like, you know. Uh, I, wanna, I, I don't want to pose. Right. But I okay. can't see what you got there. What do we got? Oh, yeah. Circle Jerks. And what's the other thing? DOA. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Bunch of Fucking uh, Goofs. Bunch of Fucking Goofs yeah. demo. Oh, really? Yeah, but uh, actually... Uh, What's that? DOA's from Vancouver, right? Yes. Yeah. I remember hearing Bullet Catcher when I was like in sixth grade, like one of the skater kids in my elementary uh, school playing cool me, and I was like, whoa, what the hell is this? I didn't even know, you know. The only rock I knew was like, I don't know, whatever was on the radio and like, you know, what my parents listened to. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's like nothing else, man. Because like probably the heaviest I was used to was I mean I heard some Iron Maiden tunes, heard some Priest and some Ozzy, right. right? Black Sabbath. So that's the heaviest that I was at. And then as soon as you hear that like first punk rock song or whatever, literally it's <laughs> it's it's a whole new realm of, of tunes. It's fantastic. Yeah, you know I think I think the thing for me was because uh, I was. I work by myself because we're limiting how many people can be there because of the virus and everything. And so whenever there's nobody really around, that that's my day to just listen to like stuff I've been saving up and I don't know what it's like. Because my coworkers are very tolerant, but 
they don't usually want to hear like four hours of like extreme death metal. You know? <laughs> like, you know, really, it's good for them. Right. And so it was just a bunch of different demos and different things that I kind of saved. And I realized that like my common denominator beyond like the gross vocals or the heaviness or anything, it's always been like, I like fast music. And that's why I think I've listened to a lot more punk than like your average metal guy. Totally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm just into stuff that's up tempo and fast. And I was listening to a bunch of stuff today and I was like, this is cool. This is cool. Like, you know, um, but it wasn't until I heard the, the triage uh, record. I've seen like, you posting that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we killed client band, and I was like, yeah, now that's my jam. This is just fucking fast. Because <laughs> a lot of the newer death metal, it's actually a lot like, I was thinking about it, it's a lot like it was kind of in the like, 92, 93 era. A lot of the new death metal, I'm like, this is cool, but it's just kind of slow, man. Like, what's up, dude? Speed it up. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I have my own band to play as fast as I want. Of course. <laughs> but that's kind of my feeling when I do all of this stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true, though. I mean, with this old school revival, right, everyone's going back to just the primitive ways and just caveman riffs yeah. and, and all that kind of jazz. And But losing the extreme of the like the, of, of the fast side of it all, right? I mean, they're, they're, the pe some people keep the blast beats in it, but there's way less blast beats than there are just... Groove hammers, right? Right. I'm using that Molder. Uh, I don't know if it's a record or it's a demo. I was on yeah. camp. Really, really great riffs, amazing vocals. But I just felt like I was waiting. I'm like, so where's like the really fast part or the really fast song? But it has that sort of like aspects, like mid tempo kind of cyanide y thing or whatever. Like I said, cool demo, but I was just like, all right, so where's like the fast part? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because you. Uh... Like, I mean, back in the day, you guys did a... Where is it? Can we see that? Where is it? Oh, the Nathophobic split. Yeah, yeah. You, guys, you guys did a split with, like, you know, a grindcore band out of... I think they're out of Czech, I believe. Um, Nathophobic was German. German, that's right. So this was a, this was a split uh, advance that they were doing with uh, Exhumed at the time. Oh, wow. I've never even seen that. That's crazy. Oh. Oh, cool. Huh. Yeah, Nathan Rumble was good. We did uh, our first tour was with us and Hemdale and Nictophobic. And that was in like 97. We went to Europe for like 10 days in December. And it was a real, <laughs> it was a real eye opener. Because at the time it was just me and Ross and our original drummer Cole. And we never played a show outside of California let alone outside of the country. Um, I mean, I'd be to like Tijuana maybe. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, so it was like stepping into a whole different universe and it was freezing cold and it was snowing and it was just, uh, it was a real baptism by fire in a lot of ways. We kind of just got thrown into the deep end of the pool like, all right, because the guy that was supposed to drive our van got a DUI, so Ross ended up driving the van, and we're like, well, we can't read the street signs, and we have this map, but it's snowing, and we've never driven in snow. <laughs> so it was an experience, and we really bonded with, with them and with Hemdale, and hence, that's why we did this split with them after we got home. In the name of Gore, I got that somewhere, too. That's a great split, man. 
That's uh, that's like that's like one of the iconic exhumed releases that I find a lot of the a lot of the cult people talk about. Um, but Hemdale on that also, like it, it's pretty much you both have an album. Yeah, yeah, that's the way we looked at it. Um, and uh, the Hemdale side is great. I, I thought. Oh, it's sick. I thought that definitely went slightly better, but the side of the split is really really good. Um, and you can kind of hear in a lot of ways. I think they really had their shit together a lot more than us in some ways. Mm-hmm. We had more like riffing and like a little bit of hints towards comprehending what a melody was, but they had like the timing and the better production and, and you know much tighter execution. And they were really good on that tour too as a three piece. Like they were, they were kicking our ass every night. Uh, yeah, that was uh that split kind of is like what opened the whole door to our career, I guess. <laughs> right. Well, because you only pretty much just put out demos up until then and, and uh, like compilation tracks and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, you know, it was kind of tough because uh, when we were starting out like in the early 90s, 90, I guess we played our first show January 92 or so. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, no, we did the first show October 91. We put our first demo January 92. And it's so that demo, right? Uh, that's the one, yes. Been colorized now for uh, the modern release. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <zero. laughs> Dissecting the Cassiated Omentum. That's, uh, that was, that was the first demo I heard, yep. Yeah, we wanted the crowd to be able to chant that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It just rolls off the tongue. What's that? It just rolls off the tongue. Oh, yeah, it's poetic. <laughs> um, you know, we were really young. I mean, I was 16 uh, when both of those events occurred. And um, I think by the time we started kind of like getting a grasp on how to play our instruments a little bit better and maybe um, have an idea of like, oh, being in a band isn't just about like, you know, writing a cool riff and then like getting into a show for free like we should do something with this but the, by then I was like 94 and you know kind of trying to get signed as like a death metal band for the Bay Area in 1994 was a real uphill battle <laughs> so Craig from Hemingway had his own label and so that's how the split came about I think we recorded that in 95 and it came out in 96 and um Basically, he was doing really well with his label. He had signed Nile, he signed Scattered Remnants, he signed us, uh, and then sort of a coup. When Incantation left Relapse for one of the many times that it happened, he ended up signing Incantation. Um, and his mail order was doing great and all this shit. And so he was kind of like leading the charge in the U.S. underground scene at the time. And it ended up that Relapse was getting, they were like the biggest mail order at the time that was like the bulk of their business was running a, a gigantic fucking distro and because Craig's label Visceral was kind of like becoming a threat they actually bought his entire label and that's how we got signed because it was like well cool here's my distro here's all my stock here's my roster if you so desire and luckily the guy uh, there was a guy that went to relapse named Tom Haley who was roommates with Matt Jacobson, the owner of the label, 
And he was a fan of the bank. I met him in 97 at the Milwaukee Metal Fest at the Relapse Merch Table. And so he was like, yeah, we should continue with these guys. We should, like, offer them a real contract and, like, <laughs> in the end, you know, because they kind of had the option to either keep us or release us or whatever. And so because of Tom, really, um, we ended up getting to deal with Relapse. And now, you know, 20-something years later, <laughs> you're Yeah. Right. Oh, totally. So you went right from the split to the album? Yeah, but I mean, it, it took a really long time. I mean, yeah, there was a gap, right? It's like, like 98, I think. What, when did Gore Metal come out? 98? Yeah. Because yeah. we recorded the split in 95, and then various things happened with the label, and there was various delays with Hemdale's sign, and so it didn't come out until like almost a year later, which when you're, you know, how old was I? That makes us 20, 20, yeah, it was 20. You know, that was like a really, really long time. Um, <laughs> um, and, you know, it was a long way that our, our original guitar player, Daryl, he ended up, he just got impatient, he got fed up with it because we kept hearing, oh, it's going to come out next time, it's going to come out next time. Anyway, so he ended up kind of like losing focus in the band and we had this record release show and the record wasn't released yet and then the show got broken up by the cops and then he's like okay cool I, I, he just stopped showing up so it was very encouraging and then finally the record came out in 96 and then we did the, the tour in 97 uh, and then we did the album in 98 but it was like it really felt like just an interminable grind to get to that point because by 98 we've been you know like I said, we played our first show in 91, so seven years later, we're finally, like, recording an album. Right, yeah, um, because <laughs> the whole time you've just been pressing your own shit the whole time, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was just, um, so it was pretty, like, <clears throat> I mean, ironically, we recorded the album, and, and we were very amateurish, even though we'd been a band for seven years, because we'd never done it before, and we had these dumbass ideas about how to do it and what to do, and, between that and the guy that the engineer doing a shit job, like it just it all came out totally discombobulated and not what we thought at all. Which I know is why people like the record. <laughs> but to me, I do. It sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> I like the songs and stuff, but it's just like, oh man, this is really for being a band for seven years. We should we should have done better, you know. So then you look past gore metal and then go to slaughter cult. Yeah, that one I think we did a lot better job on. Um, it was a lot more focused, and I think when it was Cole and Ross and myself in the band, it was like three cheap and no means. <laughs> so um, when we did that one, it was just Cole and I, and so we kind of had the same ideas. We knew Miesco um, from when we showed the Nazim in '99, and. Um, he was like, yeah, I heard your record, and I was like, wasn't really sure if you guys were cool or you sucked. <laughs> and I tell you what, I actually really like you guys. I was like, oh, cool. He's like, come to my studio, and we'll do a good setting album for you, right? Thank God. So we ended up bringing him out to California and recorded that one, and that, I think, at least in terms of accomplishing what we have to do, we actually right. did that. Whereas Blue Metal, we were trying to do one thing, and we ended up with something else. Slaughter Cult was like, oh, hey, cool, we had a goal, and then completed it. 
you actually so did it because that's a because that's a heavy tone. Like, what was what were you guys what were you playing at the time to get that? Um, I think Mike Beams, our old guitar player, and I, we always had the same rig throughout the first three albums. I used the fifty-one fifty, and he had the old um, like state-of-the-art nineteen eighty-nine amp, which was uh, like the Justice for All rig. It's a uh, a gigantic, uh, like hundred watt metal boogie fifty simul simul whatever. So metal boogie fifty fifty power amp that can power like sixteen cabinets and it's hundred watts with the EDA MP one preamp. And that was like, like I said, that was the injustice for all tone. And in nineteen eighty nine, that was the shit. Like that was the hot amp. So he blew all of his high school job money on that amp, and <laughs> he just kept it forever. And uh, I, I, I had the same 5150 forever, too, so not to knock on Mike. But, yeah, we just combined all those, and that's what we got. That's how we got the tones for all three of the albums. I think the difference with Slaughter Cold was that uh, we just turned the bass up really loud, and that was sort of, the, that's what adds, you know, because people were like, oh, you guys use the HM2. It's like, no, we, we didn't. That's the, the bass distortion. Yes. Which, if I remember correctly, was just that orange boss distortion. <laughs> And we were recording. We were recording in the East Bay with the guys from Vile. We were recording at their studio, and Juan, their vocalist, was there just to kind of help me actually get the way it land. Like this is where the compressor is. This is where this is. And he's like, "You can't record with a bass like that. That sounds like no, no, no." And me actually was like, "Dude, I'm producing the album." And he's like, "No, no, no, you can't do it." Like, let, let me dial it in. And finally, me actually gets up. And he's like, "It's fucking grindcore. That's what the bass is supposed to sound like." You need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but he was right. I mean, that's, that's how it's supposed to sound. But um, it's actually the bass I played was Jack Gibson's from Exodus. He they, he had done a session there and left his bass there or whatever. And they're like, oh, we have this bass. You want to use it? I was like, cool. I'm like, where did this bass come from? It's really nice. That was Jack from Exodus. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Neat. So then you ended up get you ended up getting that bass player that liked to vomit for a while. Yeah, Bud Burke. Yeah, he um, he was already playing with us. Um, he was just Bud has always been. It's not even that he's flaky. He just doesn't <laughs> care. Hey, what? Well, um, hey, that, hey, totally. I can understand that, right? Yeah, he was going to school at, uh, in Santa Barbara, which is about four hours south of San Jose, where we all used to live. And he moved, as students often do, in between, you know, whenever you come back after summer and move into a new house. And he never gave us his, his new phone number. And so we call, we try to call him, be like, hey, we're recording pretty soon. And he never called us back, because we couldn't reach him. We just did not get a hold of him. And so I ended up playing bass on a record, and like, yeah, he, he, he toured with us for War Metal and Slaughter Cold and Anatomy is Destiny. He actually played on Anatomy is Destiny. And then he came back. He's always been a guitar player, like a really big guitar player. We just didn't need a guitar player at the time. So then when he came back, before uh, Necrocracy, he came back as a guitar player. But he didn't vomit anymore because it's really bad for Yeah, just a little... <laughs> oh, for sure. A lot of people... Uh... Just with Slaughter Cult, like, 
the guitars and everything on like and the bass like you said like that's the that's the crunchiest album of yours definitely yeah i mean it sounds uh it's one of those records that i think like from a strictly like a uh, alert like a correct way to produce a record that's not it doesn't sound good but it sounds bad in the correct way until we all want it in that it's like everything is in the red and it sounds like the record's trying to like get out of the speakers to like you know pee on you or something it's like really like kind of oppressively loud which was what we were going for yep. and um yeah i mean i think it sounds great i don't like i said sonically if you took it to like you know a recording institute they would be like no do not do that. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong? Yeah, totally. <laughs> sounds like someone's breaks. Sounds like someone's breaking into a car over there. Yeah, I don't know. Our studio, we got like a a, a boat and auto upholstery shop on this side, and then the guy here has a workshop where he just works on cars, like in his spare time. So he's been here a lot because I'm sure he's not working. So that, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> It's not from over there. This is just the regular. This is the controller. So with the new album that just came out, again, Relapse Records, uh, Horror. Still. Yep, still. Um, you you went balls out fast, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I mean, the thing to me was that you know, with with Necrocracy and Death Revenge. They're both, you know, for us, for what we do, they're pretty sophisticated. Um, Necrocracy had a lot of melody and, like, doing guitar work and stuff, which I'm a, you know, a big Thin Lizzy fan, a big Maiden fan, so, like, that's kind of my shit. But it was a little bit different for us, and Death Revenge has, like, a cinematic thing with these orchestral interludes that are, you know, very bombastic. It's a bit... I was worried that people were going to think it was a little pretentious or whatever. Um, so this is kind of just like a withdrawal from that because, you know, everything, you know, it's, it's like food. If, even if you love hamburgers, if you eat hamburgers for three days in a row, you're like, fuck, I want some pizza or whatever. <laughs> and so I thought, how can we pull back from what we've been doing as far away as possible without like becoming a different man? Um, yeah, because I think if we would have continued like what we were doing with Death Revenge, where there's a lot of these like sort of dark melodies and these big cinematic parts or whatever, it's like then we're venturing off like so far from what we originally started as that I, I wasn't I, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. Unless of course we did the record and sold truckloads and all of a sudden we were playing in front of like a thousand people every night that I'd be like, I guess this is what people want, so maybe we should do it. <laughs> but, um, you know, dude has always been kind of steady. We're just an underground band that, you know, um, so we try to do something different every record for ourselves and for the audience because we've been doing this a really long time and we want to keep it interesting. So I think that horror was a, a fun way to kind of, to do that and, and to play, you know, uh, I was, I was saying it's, the last two albums is more like what's interesting to me as a guitar player and as a musician, and then horror maybe is what's more interesting to me as a fan. Like, yeah. if I'm gonna, you know, have a few beers and like pick out a record, it's probably gonna be horrified. It's gonna be the first one I'm gonna go for. So it's like, cool. How do we channel that but still do it, you know, like you said? And just call it horror. 
instead of horrified, right? I was actually like trying to think why I called it on that for that specific reason. <laughs> but it was a good title, and you know, I talked to the label and I talked to the guys, and they're like, no, no, that's the title. Because I told Relapse the title before we really had any material. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to be called Horror, we're going to record it next time. And then I was like, maybe we shouldn't call it that. They're like, no, you should absolutely call it that. Like, okay, cool. Well, that's what we did. Sweet. Yeah, and then you guys put that like VHS bundle together and everything like that. Like that like that's kinda cool. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool. I, I thought the label like knocked it out of the park with the packaging and, oh. and um, you know, one of the things that we always wanted to do all the way back to the early mid nineties was you know, we wanted to make it sort of more immersive and you know, there was a period in the mid nineties where we used to like get real blood and spit real blood on people and we would start the show with like a mouthful of like we go to the bait store and get a bunch of worms have a mouthful of worms and then wait for the first little bit to hit and then when the goes blah and out that comes and you know we had a chainsaw and all this shit so we, we've always tried to make it sort of like a multimedia thing you know much like maybe um you know where you go to maybe you go to a maiden show and the band is inside the album cover of Power Slave. They're like, yeah. fuck, they're inside a pyramid. And then a giant robot mummy comes out or whatever. So we're trying to kind of get that same kind of immersive experience. And the, the packaging of the record is part of that, too. Totally. And that's what was so cool about the VHS box, because it's like, I was just thinking, you know, the title horror. I was thinking, like, when I was a kid and I walked into the video store, like, what did I look for? Like... If I saw the word said horror, I was like, that's the place to go. Like, cool, great, now I know, horror. Like, very simple. And so a lot of, you know, a lot of kids, obviously nowadays, have probably never been inside a fucking video rental store in their lives. So they know about it, like, or they saw the very end of it with, like, the blockbusters and shit. So, yep. yeah, I mean, it's not the best focus. Totally. Know, I wanted, to, you know, the record itself to be kind of indicative of that whole experience. You know, we went to a video rental shop in Portland and we did our photo shoot there and stuff. And so it's the whole thing is, you know, it's a concept from top to bottom, even though it's not a story. Totally. Well, because you were, you, you were a little more, like you said, you were a little darker and you were a little more uh, storytelling on the last two albums. Like you said, they're musical. They're, you know, you're, you're, you're playing what you kind of want to play at that time, right? And then horror goes right into just kind of back to uh, blasting grind, how it was kind of in the beginnings, right? I mean, sort of. I, I mean, you get a lot of people like, oh, it's like back to like slaughter cold and gore metal. I'm like, eh, kind of. I mean, yeah. the music style is a lot different. It's the same kind of pace and maybe the relentlessness, but it's, I mean, you know, to me, I'm like, oh, this is like, totally a, a separate thing but you know i mean you make a record and it's then it's out there whatever it is to people that's what it is it's something different for you but it's whatever people make but as long as they didn't say it sucked then i was totally cool with that you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so whatever it sounds like you can be like oh it sounds like negative but i love it it's like great sounds nothing like cares. <laughs> <laughs> And like I mentioned to you before, uh, the sound on this is a little more raw than it was on the last two albums. 
and your guitar kind of had a little reverbness to it, like because you love Metallica's uh, uh, "Ride the Lightning." Yeah, I mean that's the greatest guitar sound that anybody has ever got. It's that you know it's the Merciful Fates borrowed Jason Eight Hundred with James's pedal setup. I forget what it is now, uh, and you know Funny Rasmus and taking his time. I think it took like two or three days just to like get the right tone, um, and it you know and then you take those guitars and record every single note four times, and that's where the, the overwhelming power comes from. Um, and that's even like on this record that uh, on Horror, which is a really busy, fast record, I still recorded four of, of all of the rhythm guitars. Ah, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Right on. So, right on. So, well, because you just wanted, you just kind of, like you said, you kind of wanted to just not start a new band, but just, okay, let's, what else are we doing, right? That's like, yeah. For a month, I'm only working like 15 hours a week, so <laughs> maybe I do. <laughs> so gruesome, unfortunately. Uh, actually, let me let, let me just grab a beer. I gotta grab a beer. Short pause for worthy cause. Dude. Are you drinking? No, no. I uh, I actually decided to use this time off. I'm like, ah, I should probably take a break. And uh, you know, gonna go on a little mini diet and go back to the gym and stuff because I have extra time, you know. So totally. Yeah, because I went out uh, I went out skateboarding the last couple of days myself, so I got to get back into the groove because I found myself starting to starting to teeter off, and all of a sudden a pair of a pair of pants was like, oh shit, no 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 no, let's figure this out quickly. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just down to like like once a week is sort of where that that's the basic regimen. Sure. But I think tomorrow. I think tomorrow night. Uh, See tomorrow or the next. And my wife and I are supposed to Skype a couple of our friends. We're gonna have like a long distance party. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, we got some friends of ours here, uh, about a half hour away. Uh, they want to do like a live streaming block party. Oh, nice. Yeah. So buddies figured out how to cut from him to the main area, back to somebody, back to the main area, back to somebody, back to the main area. So. We're going to see how that goes on Saturday. I mean, it's going to be fun, even if it goes terrible. <laughs> like, even if it all fucks up and the feed works, like, it's going to be a hoot. You know? Well, we got nothing else to do. Right, absolutely. So, gruesome. Uh, had to cancel the tour. You had, a, you had a big European tour coming up, right? Yeah, we were, um, we were supposed to be in Europe with Chrisian and Vitriol for a month. And... Just to make it extra shitty, after that, my wife and I had planned a vacation. We were going to Istanbul for like a week. No. We haven't taken like an actual vacation vacation together in like four years. And um, so I was like, poof, all right, like lose a bunch of money, get your wife pissed off, and you're like, this is great, this is a great week. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, so, okay. like, she was like, fuck. Like damn, this is so disappointing, you know. Right. Um, we were we were really looking forward to the tour, and obviously, you know, like 
it's uh, very uh, it's a it's a blow. Uh, Oof! Just the but, enter, just the entertainment uh, industry. Period. I mean, I'm a stagehand, so every concert's uh, yeah. canceled, right? Uh, yeah. So and. The same with touring bands, right? I mean, it just goes without saying. I mean, this is our job to kind of like, it's not its not our main job sometimes, so we do other stuff, but that helps fill in the gaps, and now all the gaps are gone, and so there's fuck all, right? I'm sort of in a position now where it's like my day job is sort of like my fill-in job. Like, you know, cool. I, I probably work like maybe six months a year. Um, nice. So it sort of works, but I mean, it's not, you know, it's bad for, for everybody out there and it's, it sucks for the fans, but of course it's way better to cancel because like my buddy, Will, who plays Jones for Death Angel, he's really sick right now. You know, yeah. he, they were just on tour in Europe. He came home and, you know, he's in the hospital, he's in the ICU. So, I mean, I would much rather lose a couple grand and not have any more friends or myself, you know. <laughs> in danger there, or you know, or the kids either. I don't, you know, um, so it's just it's one of those things. What can what can you do? Yeah, so totally. Hopefully, we have, we have a bunch of plans in place that we have already been in place for the rest of the year, and everybody's kind of just holding and be like, well, you know, hopefully by mid-April, maybe we'll know if all these things are still going to be able to happen, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, assuming that you know. Assuming that things play out the way that experts say they're supposed to, then hopefully we'll be back on the road soon. This will be a blip, and you know everyone will be able to get on with their lives. But who knows? Yeah, totally. So in the time being, you're obviously just you're you're mad riffing right now, correct? Um, you know, I, it's funny because I don't really like I don't get a lot of chance to just like practice. You know, like I between work, family, and then. You know, everything else, it's like, I really just, like, play for fun. So, like, I'm getting a little bit of time to actually, like, play guitar for just a laugh, which is, like, really nice. Just to sit there and be like, hey, I have two hours to sit and just play guitar uninterrupted. Like, fuck, this happened in a long time. (laughs) And I'm not just rehearsing for a show or recording or something. So that's kind of nice. But I'm... I am still quite busy. I'm just wrapping up um, a film soundtrack, uh, basically just going back and forth with my buddy Alejandro, who also plays in the founder, and he's sort of helping me with the engineering side. And so we're, we're, we're closing in on the final mix. Uh, it's like, oh, damn, he's got it all. <laughs> I think I gave that to you when we were in Buffalo, when we were in Rochester. Rochester, right? yeah. Well, I bought it. I bought it. <laughs> mentioning that uh, you're a big horror fan obviously so on the 
Death Revenge album, you did a bunch of soundtrack stuff on there, which interluded right. into your songs and everything like that. So you kind of started, you know, digging the fact that, you know, making soundtracks. So uh, what's this horror movie that you're working on? Um, the movie is called The, the Crumbs. It's kind of, uh, it's, it's pretty, um, it's kind of slow. Um, it's not like a big slasher, like Gorefest, unfortunately. <laughs> um, it's, um, it's a little bit slower, more dramatic, like small cast kind of thing. Um, so it's a real small orchestra that I'm working with. It's not like fucking, you know, big horns and shit. It's just real pared down piano, cello, violin. Uh, that's cool though. That's cool that you're actually doing it organic though, instead of just Pro Tools and GarageBand and all that, right? No, no, no. It's not programming at all. I'm just writing. But that's the the that's the 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 uh, virtual instruments that we're using. We don't oh. have the budget to go and get. Oh. Okay. Wish. Okay. That's, I'm disappointed now. <laughs> that, would my, that would be what I would love more than anything. Just to stand there like fucking John Williams, but okay. Louder, louder, oh, you're quiet. Yeah, like, yeah. Quiet. <laughs> no, but honestly, though, uh, I, had, I had the same encounter. I ended up uh, going to film um, some girl at one of the local universities, and she was doing a vocal audition for some sort of, like, running player or whatever. So we, I literally went down and shot her singing a couple songs with the, the piano coach, or their vocal coach, and literally, it was orchestral to the point where I was kind of, it, obviously, I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, wow, I could use, totally use this girl, which I did in that little uh, full moon trailer thing that I used some of your music in too, the Shrieker, Return of the Shrieker, called the Shrieker. And sh the vocal teacher was like, well, you can ask anybody that goes to the university that plays, and they will all greatly donate music to any projects that they're looking for so if you're interested in that there's a you know literally university there's a music department you can get anything out of there it's unbelievable yeah I was, uh, yeah there is a, a college here in town and that's uh that'd be an interesting thought That'd be fun. I mean, it's, it's so efficient, though, to be able to just sit there, right, 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 okay, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, but it's... like, okay, now, this, what about this one? Nope, that one? Okay, cool. Turn it up, turn it down. It's like the level of control that you have is um, it's really nice to work with, but it would be... I, I feel like I'm not, like, trained. I'm not a trained musician. No. So I think it would be almost a little intimidating, which means I should probably do it, to work with an actual cellist and be like, I don't know how to fucking cello. Well, you just show them the riffs, right? And then obviously they're going to they're gonna be like, okay, well, this is how we would play that. And then obviously it's just going to spiral into like, okay, well, that's even better than what I came up with. So what else you got? <laughs> right, and that's the, I mean, that's the chemistry thing, you know? It's one of the things that I think, it's one of the things that I think is missing in a lot of music, including the music that I make, is because everybody, you know, metal and otherwise but you know nowadays everything is so most bands know half of them don't live in the same city or the same state or anything and so everyone's sort of collaborating remotely and then they get together they study the tunes get together work it out go and it's very efficient and it's very cost effective um and all that stuff is great but 
there's really something to be said for the chemistry of just getting in a room four nights a week and playing and playing oh, and yeah. playing. And we were actually doing, we were doing a record here for, do you know Cartilage from the Bay Area? Yep, totally. We did that record, Dialect of the Dead. So we did their new record, which is probably finished by now, but we did it here at our studio. And I was just amazed. I was like, God damn, dude, you guys record fucking fast. And I'm like, well, yeah, we practice, you know, three days a week. We've been playing these songs for like six months. And I was like, I remember that. That was cool, man. Right. <laughs> like, we haven't done that in like 10 years. Fuck. Uh, and how old are these guys? It was just, it was, uh, they're all uh, like early, mid-20s. Okay, uh, so, okay, all right. So, yeah, when you were younger, you had that you had that drive, right? Obviously, to that degree. And you just draw, you, but you were with locals all the time, right? Right. I, I know that it's drive because, I mean, like, I mean, I'm writing like three albums worth of material a year. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm plenty of drive, but it's more a matter of like time management, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Because, like, when we were like 19, I worked at a comic book store, our drummer worked at a gas station, Ross worked at a, you know, record store or whatever. And then we would get off work by nine, and then we would just go to the jam room until eleven every night because we were fucking losers. We didn't have girlfriends or whatever. <laughs> and it was just like, all right, cool. Well, so we'll see again tomorrow. All right, it was it was what we did, you know. Yep. Um, nowadays it's just the amount of time demands. The other thing is, you know, like the managing the band or whatever also takes up a lot of time. Oh, it's like, huge. You know, the whole tour that just got canceled <laughs> of course and you know i spent hours like rounding up fucking you know scans of everybody's documents and getting signatures and getting sending this form across to this person and it's like i'm doing that and then i have a full-time job and then i'm married and then it's just like jesus christ dude i don't fucking i just don't have four nights a week to sit and jam for three hours like yeah i wish i did yeah um, but it's, it's, you know the time that i would be spend i would spend practicing I'm worried about, you know, because we have, uh, we also have a screen printing shop in the other room here. We've got the live room where we record and rehearse in the screen printing shop. So we print our own, our own shirts and we have our own screens and we have ink and we have this and that. And so sort of making sure that we have all the right stuff, like that becomes more time consuming than just playing the fucking music. Yeah, of course. And, of course. I feel that way just from, just from what I do. I couldn't imagine being in like three different bands. And then having to manage those bands separately, and then, like you said, uh, merch, uh, marketing on top, like it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, like we did, uh, we did the Fragments of Psyche EP that Gruesome did. We did it on cassette for the European tour, which then got canceled. So then I had to market the cassette here and then send that and go to the post office. And I find that a lot of times I'll be like, cool, I gotta, I'm gonna, you know, it's all my life, like I'm just gonna go to the studio and work. I'll be home by nine. So I get off work. You know, by the time I get here, it's like six. And then I turn around, I'm like, now I can play guitar. And I'm like, it's 8.45. Like, cool. <laughs> that was like, I just did all this other shit instead. So yep. it's, um, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And it's all great stuff that we work on here. And it's all helping the band. So I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. No, no, it's not at all. Trip. It's it's just, it's just more work than what people are usually expect, they, they expect to do, right? Yeah, yeah, it's very, I mean, I didn't really understand when I was a kid. I was like, yeah, DIY, DIY. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, DIY means like doing all this 
<laughs> yourself, your do it yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm like, oh, cool. Can you give me the tracking number on those shirts so I know when to expect them? And like that, it's like, oh my god, this is not profitable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm not just writing to ads that I got in the mail and getting another demo for three dollars with postage paid. And <laughs> yes. That is how I'm going to be spending my time. But, you know, it's, uh, Everything's a trail. So I mean, I'm very grateful for where we are and the fact that we are able to tour, you know, make some money and sustain ourselves and, and the studio and everything else is great. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But it's like everything, you know, you get what you wanted and you're like, huh, I did not see that coming. Yeah, no, totally, totally. So are you, so are you working on... Like you said, you're trying to promote the, the Pounder record. Uh, are you writing new stuff for Gruesome at all? Um, we, that's kind of like what I'm hoping is going to start happening maybe like next week. Um, it's, a really, it's really weird because as we're sort of going through the death catalog, the next record that we've been planning for like a year is based on Human. And as you know, Shimon Reiner just passed away. Um, Sean was a, a buddy of mine, not like a close friend, but you know, definitely a pal. But our drummer Gus was really close friends with him, and he he was he was his drum teacher. So he was it was kind of weird because like Sean was his hero, and then they became like bros, and so it hit him like super hard. And he was already feeling like kind of uncomfortable about doing the record because here he is paying tribute to a guy that he's close friends with but really looks up to and is his teacher and you know so he felt kind of awkward and now that uh now that sean's no longer with us you know i think the pressure level for him had, has gone up a lot and the pressure level for all of us has gone up considerably robin our basement also knew sean for years and years in florida and so we were actually going to have him be involved with the production of the record. We wanted him to come down to the sessions and kind of like, you know, make sure that we were getting the vibe right and stuff. And so it, it's kind of been a, it's been a bit of a blow to the whole process. But we do have some songs written that we need to build on that. And uh, hopefully before the end of the year, maybe we can get to the studio and get things rolling again. So, but it's a, it's become a little bit more intimidating. For sure. Do you do you write right? Do you write most of the riffs, or how does how does how does it go with gruesome? Um, I write most of the stuff. Um, Dan and Gus, actually, Gus is a pretty good guitar player, as well as being a great drummer. Um, Dan and Gus both contribute riffs here and there, and I sort of work them into the songs. Um, I think as time has gone on, Dan has started contributing more riffs because Human is his favorite death album. Whereas I'm like a screen buddy more guy, so I think he has more ideas that are going to be relevant to this one going forward. Um, so it's 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 definitely a team effort, you know. I'll I'll demo the song, send it back to the guys in Florida, and then they'll fix what I fucked up, and then send it back to me, and then I'll you know record my vocals and stuff, and we'll get pretty sure what the whole thing will sound like. So it's uh you know I mean it's, it's a band, you know. Yeah. So you've been doing, like, let's go back to the horror. Uh, you've been doing these scores and stuff. Um, is there anything else going on beyond that? Are you trying to do anything else or whatever? 
I have, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been talking to Relapse about doing, uh, a, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be a solo record or what, but it's basically like a sort of like a sci-fi synth kind of um, score type record. Uh, there's two tracks that are unfinished because I'm waiting for vocals on those, uh, but it's sort of like spacey, trippy, like, but very thematic, like, um, you know, kind of like a, there's still like a John Carpenter-ish thing about it, but it's much more... Matt Harvey? Kind of like, <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's not just like, you know, it's not like a, a horror thing, it's, it's got like a very, like, sort of ethereal sci-fi vibe. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we just we just grow and we just want to do different stuff, right? I mean, I love the whole I love the whole soundtrack vibe to it all. I wish I had a setup to actually play that kind of stuff because I mean, just the ideas I have in my head for, you know, music and and and, and theories and stuff like that. Uh, but to actually be able to do it and like that's rad, man. That's fucking awesome. I wish I could score more movies. Personally, I wish I could too. This is my first like full length movie. I did like a, a short called Hell on a couple years ago. That was really fun. But I've learned so much since then. Like I'm, I'm like dying to get more projects like this. So sweet, and Matt Harvey. Somebody, like, no, 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 movie that's watching this, just hit me up. You know. <laughs> that's how it works. He's the guy. He's looking for some uh, projects. Do some zing, zing, zings in there. Good times. <laughs> Uh, so what kind of movies have you been watching lately? Any, you got any, see any good new gore ones, old ones, whatever? I, I'm trying to think. The last movie, I haven't really watched that much lately. I think the last thing I watched is that fucking Tiger King documentary there once watching on Netflix. Yeah, I see. What's, I don't, what, what's going on with that? What is that? It's totally insane. Like, it's just about these people that run these private zoos, and they're all fucking insane and their lives are all bizarre in the first episode they're like wow this is really fucked up and I'm only halfway through and I was like I did like this is really escalating to a point of just <laughs> utter insane and fascinating and it's very American there's like uh, one of the one of the dudes the main guy exotic Joe he's he lives in Oklahoma he's gay he makes DVDs full of country music about tigers and has a tiger farm of like 180 tigers in the middle of rural Oklahoma and he walks around strapped all the time and he's the most relatable so that I don't want to spoil it for people but that, I, yeah I would say watching it's fucking crazy wow that's, uh, that's intriguing actually I, I was like, what the fuck is this about? And I saw the guy's picture and I thought it was hilarious. And I was like, oh, let's give it a shot. And we watched the first episode of my iPad. And I was like, we're watching this whole fucking thing. It's all about the three hours. I just got to know what happens. So that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to finish Well, I don't want to keep you too long if you have to go. Um, yeah, I thought we should get running actually because uh, my phone is about to die. It's it's about that time. Okay, well then let's cut it out, right? Cut cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, cut it out. Because <laughs> we're from Canadlandia, right? <laughs> right. I love Canada. They let me 
We're, we want you back, man. It's killing us too. What's that? It's killing us too that you can't. You haven't been back. Yeah, I think I think in two years I can apply to get it permanently expunged up there, which is a separate process from getting it expunged down here. I have some DUI in case you're wondering. Uh, so hopefully, you know, we'll see. Because our drummer Mike, he also has a DUI, which he now has expunged, and he's clear to go back into Canada. So, so we're waiting for you. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Well, hurry up. Always a fucking blast Yeah, dude. Every time, man. I fucking love it, dude. We need to do this more often. This is actually quite fun. Yeah. If we're still on lockdown next month, we should do it again. Let's do it again. Let's talk about more horror movies. Awesome, man. All right, cool, bro. Recording, by the way. Before I go, I want to say that's fucking horrible. What's that? Sorry. I said R.I.P. Stuart Gordon before I go. Oh, yes. That was another thing, too, we're bringing up. Mr. Stuart Gordon was the director of Reanimator and Robot Jocks and Castle Freak. No, Castle Freak was Fulci, wasn't it? No, Castle Freak was Stuart Gordon. He was a part of a full moon. Really? Yes. Okay. Yep. Fucking... I learned it, so that's good. Boom, boom. Yeah, and he unfortunately just passed away, like... Yesterday or something like that. Uh, yeah, I saw this movie. It was real bummer. Yeah, Reanimator is one of my absolute just top, top. Not just horror movies, but movies. It's great. It literally is. Like, the pace, the gore, everything is, like, perfect timing on that the fucking movie. Weird, the breasts. Yeah. All. <laughs> Even part two and three I liked. I like them. I do enjoy them, but not, uh, you know. But it's not number one. <laughs> Totally. All right, Matt. Well, then uh, let's tune in again, and thank you very much for hanging out. Absolutely, man. Cheers. Thanks, bud. Cool, bro. Take it easy. Ciao. Well, that was cool. Uh-oh. What's that? We'll leave that there. good old loop on there hey thanks for tuning in eh? that was that was matt harvey of uh, exhumed gruesome pounder doing some horror stuff on the side too uh let's see here yeah i want to give a shout out to uh actually i'm gonna do a shout out to uh mr mark riddick there Artist extraordinaire, he actually did um, the logo and the artwork for our t-shirts. So we just want to thank Mr. Mark Riddick. And dude, he's an old school guy too. He's got a great book actually with all his artwork lately. Uh, where is it here? You need to check this out, people. Just so happen to be hanging out right here. Morbid Visions. That's his book, Mark Riddick. He's been he's been hanging out for quite a while too, man. He's an old schooler. I remember the the the, uh, the fanzine ads and just getting the ads in the mail of him and there's this one picture here. I remember seeing it on a couple on a couple fanzines.
Yeah, Mark Riddick, man. Guys, there, that's the one. Like him and his brother. Artists. Doing shit. I remember seeing that picture back back in the early 90s, too. Oh, see, that's another question, see? So we can bring up questions for other stuff. So we could talk about Repulsion, which Craig Newman, hey man, uh, he was in Repulsion for a bit, and then he also did Expulsion, which was, I think, Scott Carroll from Repulsion? Yes. So there's a there's 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 way more there's way more to talk about with that, but uh, this is yeah this is all Mark Riddick's artwork. Guys, it's pretty rad. I don't know if you like books and picture books like this coffee table book. It's just got it all. Give shout outs to Mark Riddick. Pen, see pen and ink. That's what you do. You gotta start it with that, right? But seriously, there's a lot of shit in here. Logos. Hold on a sec here. Did I just see something? Bastard Son. They're on CDN Records also. Local boys. Oh, man. Nike. Yeah. Nike. <laughs> but, yeah. There's a lot of cool shit in here. Borders. Just his artwork. He's worked with a lot of freaking bands. There's a lot of cool shit in here. There's a lot of cool shit in here. So make sure to check out Mark Riddick. So, I don't know what's going on. What's the name of the book? Morbid Visions. I know it's backwards. The Art of Mark Riddick. Morbid Visions. Sweet. Good times. Yeah, I also got a package in the mail too. I don't even, uh, I haven't opened this yet. Because literally with all this time off, I've just been filling it with stuff to do. Because, I mean, for one thing, we're having fun here doing this. No problem, Nick. Nick Sagius. We're coming up to see you pretty soon, actually. Mr. Nick Sagius, Sagius, I believe is, is, is how it's pronounced. Uh, he is, he lives in Toronto. Actually, uh, hold on a sec here. Just need some more of those. Mmm. Mmm. I'm all about Polish beer. This and Tisky and all that kind of stuff too. Unbelievable. This has been my favorite beer. I went out to Poland a few years ago. We had some Tiskies, and ever since then, I just want to drink European beers. They're the best beers. Good lagers. Good, nice, just regular beer. They're just a beer. I'm not a hop guy or anything like that. So, what was I talking about? Sagius. Nick uh, is from Toronto, and Nick is 
the man uh, behind the, the thrash band Overthrow, if you remember them, which I'm, I would hope you would. Uh, so he had this, he had this thrash band Overthrow, right? It was like, you know, they're hanging out and touring with the, the local Canadian guys. So it was like Razor and Sacrifice at the time. So he had Overthrow and fucking awesome band, man. So after that Overthrow, he ended up starting Soulstorm, which I have. Hold on a sec here. Let me try to find it is here. I have one of the, uh, they did a split with Mundane. It was another uh, Toronto, I wouldn't say alternative metal, but they were alternative, I guess you would say. Uh, literally with Mundane, though, um, they, it was probably one of my favorite live shows that I've seen. They came to St. Catharines one time with, uh, who did they come with? It was uh, Mal Havoc. I believe it was Mal Havoc. And it was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. It, it was the coolest show. I smoked a fucking fat joint. I was going out with this... I was going out with this girl at the time. And she was like, yeah, I like music. But she, you know, obviously, you don't really like music. Um, so I ended up smoking a fucking fatty. Because they were just buds of ours anyways, right? Because we were all kind of like tied in uh, in the underground. And our buddy Ed Balog, he did a, a zine called Cheese Grinder. And he was managing them at the time when they were on Raw. Oh, was it? Shit. Hold on. Raw Energy. Raw Energy. That's it. And I remember when this came out. I mean, obviously off Death Metal Topic or whatever. But uh, Ed. Hell yeah, Ed Balog, man. He's fucking legendary. So, it, yeah, it was raw energy. But anyways, it was a fucking amazing show. And Soulstorm kicked ass. So Soulstorm ended up doing the death metal godflesh kind of thing with their own Canadian twist, obviously. And it was brutal. And like I mentioned before, I found them originally. It wasn't through being just connected to uh, Nick Sagius at the time. It was just just the underground in general, and they ended up being on a compilation that was from Buffalo, and Soulstorm was on there, so that just was like, oh, that's Toronto, sweet, that's cool, and then we ended up having Nick come on our radio show, Nick and Ryan of the band come down, and I finally, I think that was the I don't know if that was the first time we met Nick, but it was either being at the Morbid Angel show with Paradise Lost and Creator at the Spectrum when we went with Darren Quinn and Shane Smoke. I was driving a Daytona Charger at the time, and it was me, myself, this guy Adam Olszewski, rest in peace. He had the best vocals I've ever seen in my life. But... It was him and my and our old bass player from Mangled, my old death metal grindcore band. Uh, it was him. And then we picked up Shane and Darren. And it turned out that buddy Dan had to sit in the back of the charger because it's like a hatchback or whatever. So he had to sit in the back. So he was looking out the window. And we were bottoming out because it was a charger. So it was lower, right? 
Yeah. I'm not sure if that's where I met you, Nick, but then hope, and then I ended up reconnecting with you again, obviously being in contact here and there or whatever, and then it was nice to see you on the radio. So Soulstorm was kicking it, but now he has Tribe of Pazuzu. Yes, with Dan. Yeah, totally. Metal Dan was there too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you, you were there. <laughs> so you were. <laughs> that was a fucking fun time, man. I, I remember going up to that show because Darren Quinn was living with Shane Smoke at the time. Darren Quinn, he did a magazine called Genital Grinder at the time and ended up connecting with him. Obviously, death metal, the grindcore, everything like that. It was all, it was all connected anyways. So we ended up going to his house and he was living with a, a few cult personalities and we went to the jam room. I think it was the jam room or was it just in the living room? I think it was in the living room. There was like maggots in the floor because they used to practice certain things and stuff like that. So there was, uh, yeah, you know, we're all young and right. We're all trying shit at the time, right? So anyways, yeah, next to Gia, check out Tribe of Pazuzu. That's uh, his latest band that uh, Vic Records put out the last album. That's with Flo on Flo Monier on drums and John McEntee from. He lived with Ricky Death. The radio show was a lot of. <laughs> That's right. Holy shit! See, he's bringing up he's bringing up the old times. That's crazy. That's good. Oh fuck, man. <laughs> Ah, man, I can't wait to get out of this freaking quarantine shit so we can all hang out again, man. But this is what we're doing anyways. So, I just opened a package. Where the fuck is it from? Imperial Savagery. Imperial Savagery. Check this out. I was putting a call... Oh, Horror Pain Gore Death Records. That's Mike Giuliano. Good dude. He's put out a lot of shit. Odious death metal sadism. So we got two EPs and whatever. Yeah, all from Horror Pain Gore Death. And that's where uh, Percussor had a lot of albums come out on too, was Horror Pain. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to be looking into this. So Imperial Savagery. And check out Horror Pain. Horror Pain Gore Death. Horror, pain, gore, death. Let's talk about that. I just want to thank thank Matt Harvey for uh, tuning in and hanging out. And uh, yeah, shout outs to Mark Riddick. Just laying the fucking groundwork there, eh, bud? Fucking A, eh, bud? And all the punk rockers out there. Because... Uh, Cause it's all about Nirvana, right? Just kidding. <laughs> it's all about uh, fucking circle jerks. Where are we here? That's probably one of the greatest albums ever. Ever. This and. Oh my. Minor Threat, literally, these two albums blow everything away, everything, 
I know a lot of you are going to say Dead Kennedys, and I get it. Dead Kennedys didn't hit me like this Circle Jerks album. I'm not, I, I like this album. It has nothing like this album, but Minor Threat Circle Jerks. Thanks a lot, everybody. I need to go piss and relax. So, uh, rock and roll.